there's been a lot of turnover, man. Not only in the last five years, but the last 12 months, you know. Been a lot of turnover, a lot of different things, systems, players, obviously GM, coaches, uh, all of that. And uh, it just teaches you that, uh, you know, you can't control anything outside of what you can control. And the best thing that you can do is show up every day and give it everything that you have because uh, anything outside of that, you know, is out of your control. Here we go, Raider fans. It's time for another episode of Vegas Nation. I'm your host, Heidi Fang, and I'm joined by Review Journal beat writer for the Raiders, Michael Gelkin. And what a week it has been for the Oakland Raiders. The team's big win, marking their third victory this season, overshadowed by one crazy week. I need everyone out there to listen in and just strap yourselves in and get nice and comfortable wherever you are because we have a ton to break down for you. We'll cover it all from the earlier part of this week with the Raiders firing Reggie McKenzie to the NFL draft coming to Las Vegas as announced on Wednesday. And also, we've got games to preview and to recap, like the Raiders notching their third win over the Steelers. And last but not least, there's this huge lawsuit against the team that could make the December 24th Raider game against the Denver Broncos their last game in Oakland. Hi, Michael. How are you? And did I miss anything? <laughs> <laughs> that about covers it. Um, thanks for having me. There's definitely a lot to delve through. Definitely so. I mean, how crazy has your week been with all of this news breaking, starting with earlier in the week with Reggie McKenzie being let go? Um, then you have the lawsuit. In fact, let's get into that lawsuit because Mark Davis spoke a little bit about that today at the NFL owner meeting, today being Wednesday. Uh this lawsuit, the federal antitrust and breach of contract lawsuit, says that this team's move is illegal. But what are the nuts and bolts of this lawsuit? Can you break this down for us, Michael? Sure. I, well, I should preface in that I'm an NFL reporter and not a legal reporter. And so my ability <laughs> to properly convey what is in a 353-page document is not a strength. Uh, but essentially, the, the city of Oakland is clearly dissatisfied with how the Raiders relocation came to be. It's worth uh, stressing the fact that nothing that was filed this week will serve as an impediment to the Raiders eventually relocating to Las Vegas. This is more about the city's attempt to say that the way the NFL, the Raiders, and all 32 clubs went about this relocation uh, was a bit of a farce and did not give Oakland the opportunity to keep their team. And so uh, that is kind of a real general uh, overview of it all. And uh, the city of Oakland wants to restore some of the money that it lost from having, the, you know, in terms of revenue, the Raiders Oakland. And so uh, this is about politics where the city of Oakland can say, it was the NFL and the Raiders that are re the reason why you lost your hometown team. It wasn't us. And certainly there are two sides to each equation. And the Raiders would say that none, no part of this lawsuit adds up. But that is where things stand as of today. And again, Mark Davis comments on this lawsuit on Wednesday saying that they're meritless and malicious. Those were direct quotes um, that he used. And he also did not rule out any location for 2019 as to where they would play. Even Oakland, he hasn't ruled out that as an option. Have you got wind of any location? Um, is there any 
particular place in the mix. I know they've talked about Sam Boyd here in Las Vegas, uh, but it's not up to standard for it would be probably need as much in renovations as Oakland is asking for in the lawsuit, that being eighty million dollars. But what is the what's the word on where they may play their twenty nineteen season, if any? I was not in Irving, Texas on Wednesday when Mark Davis met with reporters at the league owner meeting and really asked was it, we was asked a lot of questions to that particular you know question of what uh, are the options for 2019 and uh, he did not eliminate Oakland he did not eliminate San Diego he did not eliminate Santa Clara I mean really other than saying he doesn't like the turf that would be there in San Antonio if they were to go there uh, he didn't eliminate much and so um, I have reported and uh, it's been pretty steadfast and, and Mark Davis himself has has told me that Las Vegas is not an option before the 2020 season. Although, again, on Wednesday, he, uh, you know, just wanting to put out there that we're, they're evaluating all their options. He even said Las Vegas would be one, but that is not anticipated. So um, we, we don't know. It's, I would liken it to an NFL draft. You, know, you don't know what the, dra- the team's, dra- team's draft board looks like. You don't know is Santa Clara. Well, I guess we do know Oakland's one. But or we had been one, but this may very well throw a wrench in that. Uh, what's two? What's three? What's four? You know, how do the Raiders evaluate these contingency plans and rank them? Uh, that is an in-house type of thing that, despite many for months requests to knock on their door and, and get a look at what their thinking is, uh, they have not opened that door. And so uh, that is internal, and we don't know exactly which way they're leaning, but they are certainly keeping all their options open. Another thing that happened that was huge this week for the Raiders, obviously the firing of general manager Reggie McKenzie, who in 2016 was named executive of the year. And that was when the team went 12 and four. Obviously it has not had that same uh, repeat type performance in the past couple seasons, seven and nine being last season, three and 10 being the current record now. Um, What went down with Reggie McKenzie when this happened? I know he, He's been with the Raiders since 2012. He kind of inherited a mess, so to speak. And he, he did the best he could, I thought, um, with repairing the team up to a certain point. But now here he is, let go on Sunday uh, on the day of a big win for the team. Um, what exactly happened there? And what can we expect as far as perhaps the Raiders filling his shoes? Well, we'll see what the process looks like to name a replacement to Reggie McKenzie. This isn't your traditional general manager role where it's very clear that John Gruden has a say. And so it, you're going to, if you've been, if you're a, an executive who's a rising star, so to speak in this league, for your chance to be an NFL general manager, presuming that is the title that the Raiders employ, this probably isn't the chance for you. You know, you won't, if you want roster control, you're going to share it with your head coach a little bit more than you might in some other places. Now, head coaches, they have a say really anywhere in the league, uh, but not quite all are like this in Oakland with John Gruden, of course. And so uh, that's one dynamic of it. Uh, Mark Davis has said publicly that he right now can only really interview personnel who are not currently employed in the NFL. Uh, So he's working on, that at this point of building a list and hashing out an interview schedule. And so that's 
kind of where things go. But as it relates to, to Reggie McKenzie and the job that he did, you're right. It was a mess when he got here. I mean, there was a lot of dead money and dead, you know, just uh, just not a whole lot of life in, on this roster. And so he had to sort through all of that. The 2014 draft was incredible. I think we've, we all understand what, what that can do for an organization when you select Khalil Mack in the first round, Derek Carr in the second round, guard Gabe Jackson in the fourth round, and even on day three with hits like you know, TJ Carey and nose tackle Justin Ellis, and you sign Seth Roberts as an undrafted rookie wide receiver. Uh, that is a big part of the reason why the Raiders did go 12-4 and in 2016. But there's a reason why John Gruden was underwhelmed by recent draft picks it was recent draft classes they weren't good enough and so that is what was part of this is just those recent drafts that didn't quite reach expectation but no general manager bats a thousand and I think to for Reggie to have missed as he did can happen in this league and there are ramifications to that which were realized on, on Sunday but I think part of this equation too is when John Gruden got hired as the Raiders head coach, he knew exactly who his special teams coordinator would he'd want him to be, and that was Rich Bisaccia. You know, Paul Gunther, someone with whom his brother worked in Cincinnati. He knew he wanted Gunther to be his defensive coordinator, and he is. And Greg Olson, his offensive coordinator, so forth. You have to imagine that when John Gruden, you know, before accepting this position to become the Raiders head coach, had in mind who he'd want to be as his general manager. And so we'll, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure. I'll be reporting on a number of candidates that the Raiders will be interviewing from all different walks. But John Gruden, just as he is with his roster, will be very involved in the decision on who the Raiders hire to be their top uh, personnel executive, one not named John Gruden. Right. And some people suspect that he already is. And like you mentioned already kind of the general manager and this person will have to in some way share that role with him I would say that's a pretty viable theory but all of this seems to be leading up to what the team will become by time it gets here to Las Vegas in 2020 and part of the I guess fun of all of this week has been the announcement that the Las Vegas city of Las Vegas will get the NFL draft in 2020 and that leading up to the Raiders first season being here in their $1.8 billion stadium that will house 65,000 people. So, uh, I guess that is part of the upside of this. Uh, we, what do you make of the draft coming here to Las Vegas, Michael? And uh, how big is that for the city in, in some ways welcoming the Raiders? I think it's it's huge. It's huge to have an NFL draft. You know, speaking um, to one Las Vegas official on Wednesday, and, and he detailed just you know, the fact that the NFL draft is the highest or the most watched sporting event that doesn't actually relate to a competition on the field you know there's not, it's not a game but people just consume it you know people write about it people uh we're looking at mock drafts you know there's months of anticipation for it and so um to, to host such a highly visible event is is is, is, is a important coup for the las vegas community you could you could consider this to be the first win for the las vegas raiders and that the city of Las Vegas was competing against Denver. It was competing against Kansas city. It was competing against the Cleveland Canton, Ohio region uh, for the chance to be awarded this bid. And so uh, for Las Vegas to receive it, I think it's a bit of a tip of the cap from the NFL with all of the efforts that 
so far have transpired to make the Las Vegas Raiders a reality. And it's also an indicator, the latest indicator, that everything is on track for the 2020 move from Oakland to Las Vegas. If the NFL had a sense that the stadium wasn't where it needed to be, it was off course, it wasn't going to happen, better believe they wouldn't want to have their NFL draft in a non-NFL city. So uh, you can go ahead and expect, as we already have, but certainly more confidently now, if you want to consider it to be, uh, that the Raiders are on track for 2020 in Las Vegas. It's very exciting stuff. I was stopped in traffic and looking over at the stadium, which sits off at the I-15 and Russell Road uh, across from the Mandalay Bay. And, man, it is going up just faster than I can even fathom that it, where it would have been at this point. It seems every time I drive by it, it's just getting taller and taller and taking up more of the skyline. And it's, uh, all you see in that area is Raiders uh, covered from one end to the opposite end of the stadium. And... It's going to be really something once it's finally finished. It's already I, – I wrote on Twitter, I'm in awe of what I see. But for this year's draft, the Raiders still looking at getting three picks in the first round. This draft here for the team is going to be a huge one as far as how they can start shaping pieces uh, as far as under the Gruden regime, as you said, and getting them kind of put – to where he sees fit and getting what he thinks that they need for this team to succeed. And the Raiders not laying down at all. Uh, this is not a team with any quit in them. We saw them against the Steelers and turning their record with one more win to 3-10 and 10 on the season. A 24-21 upset was huge for the Raiders at home. The silver and black could really play spoiler. The rest of the way down the road here, Michael, they've got Cincinnati, they've got Denver, They've got Kansas City and Cincinnati and Denver. They cannot lose to Oakland if they want to try to sneak their way into the playoffs. So these are big games where the Raiders could really play spoiler. And Derek Carr has been nothing short of impressive in his last few games. I mean, I believe this is now his eighth game without throwing a pick. That's a career best for him. Uh, he went down and answered this drive from Roethlisberger in, in the Steelers game, throwing that 39-yard like a dart to Seth Roberts to get them in position for this win. Um, Michael, how great was it as a writer to be out there during this win to, to see this team kind of put the pieces together against the Steelers? It was a big win. And there's no doubt it was what they've been hoping for is what they hope to accomplish the previous week against the Kansas city chiefs and that 44 33 loss. It was what they hope to achieve uh, a week late a week, a week prior uh, against the Baltimore Ravens which is to complete an effort against a, a good team and certainly you would even a, 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 the most subjective person would say that the Steelers are a better football team than the Raiders I don't think that is a stretch but uh, you saw how they were able to take advantage of that lull in the second half where Ben Roethlisberger was unavailable for the first four drives the Steelers committed one turnover on downs. They committed an interception, and they had two punts. And then after Derek Carr leads one touchdown drive capped by a, a short pass to Lee Smith, his blocking tight end, Ben Roethlisberger comes on the field, a bit of a heroic, somewhat Hollywood return, goes six for six, 70 yards, and a touchdown on that drive. And then when it seemed like this movie was written, Derek Carr marches right back with that strike you referenced to, to Seth Roberts, and, and he caps a drive on, on a fourth down pass to a tight end 
Derek Carrier, and it was a uh, it was an important answer. It was a win that they've been waiting for, and I would think without really stretching it at all, uh, it's quite easy to call it the signature win of John Gruden's first season back with the Raiders. Definitely so, and uh, unfortunately, though, on that touchdown pass, the the final touchdown that the Raiders scored, uh, they saw offensive guard John Feliciano injured. Is there any update right now on his status? Yeah, John, he's out for the season. He's got a calf injury, and it's pretty impressive the way he was able to even finish that series. Uh, It was a a bad injury. Um, He had no business being on the field there on third down or the fourth down touchdown. Uh, but he stayed out there, and I can say the exact same thing about Gabe Jackson, the team's right guard. He injured his left elbow uh, second quarter, uh, got it wrapped up, finishes the game, and then um, that was probably the bigger helmet for him. But then even on that final drive, he has his right – I think it was his right ankle got you – know, uh, Derek Carr w- was hit, and he falls right into it, and clearly not 100%, clearly in pain, a sprain. Uh, but despite the elbow and the ankle, he right there, a couple spots from John Feliciano, the two guards, both finish out the game. And so a pretty impressive type of grittiness to finish that game. And I think the Raiders will tell you it, it somewhat embodied their season. Is even when things haven't been going their way and it seems like one after another adversity strikes, uh, they found a way to toughen it out and to finish things out and so that has been indicative by a December win against a quality opponent in the Steelers. Uh, how are the Raiders going to make adjustments on the offensive line now with those injuries Michael as they head into Cincinnati? Well Gabe Jackson and Kletchio Assemble, the team's right and left guard respectively they are you know they're renowned for their toughness here in the NFL or here in Raiders headquarters they uh, are highly regarded for their ability to should they be able to play to play so uh, Gabe Jackson, Kalechio Assembly, neither of them practiced on Wednesday. Uh, Kalechio is dealing with the toe. Gabe, as mentioned, has the elbow and a little bit the ankle. And so we're going to see over the course of the week whether or not either can go. The Raiders are in a bit of a coerced situation where they have to prepare guys to play who probably have no – I mean, otherwise wouldn't be playing in, in a December game. And in some sense – I wouldn't be on an NFL roster. And so, you know, they made, they've made some moves, you know, such as assigning Denver Kirkland, as someone who's been here with the Raiders in the past, uh, to uh, the 53-man roster off the Arizona Cardinals practice squad. He got the call on Monday and was officially signed on Tuesday. He practiced on Wednesday. Then you have a couple guys who were signed uh, very recently as well, Chaz Green, Denzel Good, uh, again, uh, probably not first options for an NFL team. And also on Tuesday, the Raiders signed a center-slash-guard, Cam Hunt, somebody who they first signed in May during OTAs, his next Bronco. Uh, he was not somebody who distinguished himself during training camp, wasn't somebody who was figuring to be kept on the 53-man roster. But with John Feliciano out, Raiders needed now uh, not only a, a left guard uh, should assembly be unavailable a second straight game, but Feliciano also is the primary back to Rodney Hudson. And so... Cam Hunt is expected to fill that role potentially on Sunday. Raiders tried to sign Ian Silberman, uh, another guy who was with the Raiders in in, in training camp. They liked him a bit more than Hunt. Uh, He's versatile. He can play really all five positions. He played right tackle in camp in the preseason, but we've seen him before at at guard. We've seen him before at center. Uh, We won't see him in Oakland. Uh, They reached out to him this week, I'm told, but he 
preferred to stay on the Carolina Panthers practice squad uh, rather than continue what had been a yo-yo act here with the Raiders. And so uh, he will stay in Carolina and the Raiders who have no general manager will continue to manage this situation as best as they generally can. And as they go into the Cincinnati Bengals game on the flip side, the Bengals are limping as well. They're without Dalton. They don't have AJ green. He just had uh, toe surgery. And also uh, they uh, have Jeff Driscoll here kind of managing the game, but not really standing out by any means. Uh, they're on a five game losing streak as well. So for the Raiders, it's somewhat fortuitous. The, this is the team that they will be facing, especially with the injuries that you just mentioned. Um, what do you make of this matchup, Michael? What are the keys to the game for the Raiders? Well, I think if their offense can continue to put up points the way it has so far, then it should be in good shape. But when you're going up against a defensive line that has Geno Atkins on it, uh, that is not necessarily a given. And so uh, it's just going to be about protecting. It's going to be having as much balance as it can have. And then uh, defensively, you know, take advantage of this quarterback matchup. The Raiders are the first team in NFL, certainly modern NFL history, that through its first games only has one game of multiple sacks. And that came way back in week four against the Cleveland Browns, September 30th. And ever since then, ever since that two-sack game, it's been zeros and ones. And so uh, there is an increased opportunity to get to the passer on Sunday. Uh, whether or not the Raiders can, uh, that is a question. Junior, uh, he was inactive this past Sunday against Pittsburgh with an ankle injury. He was able to practice Wednesday, albeit as a limited participant, but uh, Raiders just aren't where they need to be uh, from a player personnel standpoint. I think if anyone wants to watch this game and, and fully appreciate what Paul Gunther has gone through, the Raiders defensive coordinator who came to over several years with the Cincinnati Bengals, just watch Geno Atkins on Sunday and appreciate how the Raiders do not have anybody on their roster who today, not saying maybe Mohurst can develop into that sort of impact player or P.J. Hall, but today anyone who's capable of affecting the way Atkins can. And the last meeting between these two teams was in September of 2015. The Bengals coming out ahead 20-point winners against the Raiders, 33-13, to that score. And the Raiders right now again, 3-10, and the Bengals 5-8. and Bengals can still fight for a spot in the playoffs if they win. And the Raiders, again, could play spoilers to that bid if they do play their game in Cincinnati. As far as the picks, Michael, what do you have uh, for Oakland at Cincinnati for your pick of the week? Well, I think it's very generous that you're discussing the Bengals as a playoff potential team. Cause you're right, math. The math says that they can, but they just don't seem to have that ability to finish the season strong. You know, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns in that division. It's um, it's going to be tough. I, boy, it's tough. If the offensive line was healthy, the interior offensive line for the Raiders is healthy. I would pick the Raiders to win this game. Um, I, I'm probably still going to pick the Raiders to win this game just because of the quarterback situation. It's been a while since I picked the Raiders. I can't remember the last time I picked the Raiders to win a game. Um, and, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that on the road, uh, it might be raining. I need to take an update look at the forecast. But I'm going to say that the Raiders find a way to eke out uh, what probably stands to be an ugly game. Uh, let's give the, uh, the game-winning field goal to Daniel Carlson in a 24-21 Raiders win. 
That's funny. Uh, I should have went first because now I sound like I'm just copying you. <laughs> I was too going to pick the Raiders. <laughs> I mean, there are only three point dogs here going into Cincinnati. Um, I think that it, it's feasible to think that could happen, play out that way. But um, yeah, I, I like the Raiders also here. I just think that Cincinnati is too injury ridden, even though the Raiders are as well. But I think the Bengals right now, I think uh, I, I could definitely play for the Bengals and maybe come out with a highlight reel for ESPN. But okay, so I'm going to go with the final score here of uh, I'm going to keep it low due to weather. I'm going to go 17 and the Bengals 10. So Raiders 17, Bengals 10. That's my final score with the Raiders coming out ahead. Okay, so that'll do it here for us at Vegas Nation. Michael, thank you so much for your time. You're going to want to keep an eye out for Michael's articles on ReviewJournal.com as well as in the paper imprint at the Las Vegas Review Journal. And make sure to get updated on all the information coming at you going down every day that we keep on top of by subscribing on Apple Podcasts to Vegas Nation. Give us a follow at Gelkin NFL and at Heidi Fang on Twitter. And we'll be back next week to talk about the Raiders' possible last game in Oakland, and more. Thank you for listening.